Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Wonderful, very, very good to be here. If we have not met, my name is Gabe Phillips. It's a huge privilege to be here at 8.30 in the morning. The really holy people, lovely to see you guys. Well done, you know. You're up at 6 o'clock praying for this, I know. Well done, guys. Really, really good to be here. And I'm the answer to your prayers this morning. So there you go. Wonderful. Uh, I'm Gabe Phillips. I'm a husband of uh, one wife uh, so far, uh, Fiona. And uh, she's an amazing, amazing lady. We've been married for nearly five years. And we've got a little daughter called Olivia Grace, who's 18 months now. And, uh, and it was such an adventure to be a, a husband, a dad, and also to be a pastor here at Life Changes Church. A huge privilege. But I like to always tell people that I met my lovely wife in that right-hand corner. So just there's anointing there. Just if you're single, you want to go sit there. That's the way. Ish, there you go. Hey, your zone, your zone, right there. Come on. The anointing's all over there. But um, I met Fiona here at this church, in this building, and my eyes saw her, and I fell in love. She was a little bit more reticent, and, uh, and I, I started to pursue this girl called Fiona. And uh, I don't know if you know this word, but it felt very quickly early on that I had, well, I don't know if you you know, use this word, the Hebrew word is friend-zoned. Anyone know that word? It's a, it's a good one. But I felt very much friend-zoned immediately off the bat. And uh, I, I pursued hard. I sent SMSs, maybe a little bit too eager. I, I don't know. I wasn't good at this thing. But I, I sent SMSs, and, and there was a long delay before they came back, sometimes a day or two. I was just like, what is she so busy with that she's not going to reply? No? And, uh, and then she would reply, and at the end of it, she'll go, thanks for the message, my friend. Oh, just those two words, just killing the excitement in my, my heart. You know? so, so I did what any self-respecting ginger would do in that sort of moment. Early on in, the, in this, uh, this, this moment, I, saw, I sensed there was something more. I, I believed that there was something more. I was looking with eyes of faith. She was, she was in doubt, and she was not believing God for the miracle, but I was. So I did what any self-respecting ginger would do. I made a move. I made a move, guys. So what I did was I, I sent her a message. I said, listen, Thursday night, we're going to go, we're going to have some dinner in town. Are you keen? Now, I may or may not have phrased it ambiguously so that she thought it was a group event. I may or may not have. But you know what? You, when, you, when you've got limited resources, you do what you can. And uh, I said, that sounds great. So Gabe Phillips, he got his, his, his Hyundai i20, and I went and I got it cleaned for like the first time in months. The Energate bottles were out the back seat, you know, get that place looking good. I actually went out and bought the new Bastille album. I don't know if anyone remembers that album with Pompeii. It was big five years ago. That was huge. And I said, that one's going in the CD player because I want to be relevant and cool, you know. And uh, I got, I, you know, I brushed the hair, brushed the teeth as well. Always a good, always a good thing to go for. And uh, I remember pulling up, got, got to her house, got in the car, said, oh, we'll go into town. And, uh, and I remember that as the evening was going on, she was wondering, when uh, is anyone else joining us? <laughs> no, no, it's just you and me, Fee. Oh, okay. But uh, we went to Hudson's on Kloof Street. I booked a table. You know, I made a move, guys. I went, I went big, yeah, you know. At Hudson's, we had burgers. We chatted, and it just, it just seemed amazing. And the, the words my friend were used a little less and less as the night went on. But I wanted her to know that this was no pastoral coffee. I was not the pastor in this moment. I'm, uh, the boy's making a move. She needs to know that. So we, uh, she said, okay, cool, dinner's done. I said, no, I'm paying, I'm paying, paid for the bill. And then I said, cool, we're going for a walk up Kloof Street. The moon was out. May or may not have had a minstrel singing besides us. No, that's just in my imagination. But we went up and we got some frozen yogurt. 
And then she was about to eat, and I said, not yet, babe. I didn't say babe. I said, Fiona. Not yet, Fiona. Okay. And then, uh, so what we did was, true story, we managed to sneak up onto the rooftop of a hotel in town, overlooking Table Mountain with the moon out, eating frozen yogurt. In that moment, Fiona knew that this boy had made a move. This was no, this was no game anymore. So I want to tell you, the title of my sermon this morning is, Make a Move. Now, some of you might be here going, this, is this a, am I here for a single Sunday? Is this a dating sermon? No, but if it helps you take a step of faith, go for it. Receive that prophetic word. Make a move. But uh, this morning, I'm going to preach because I, I really am so excited because I believe so many of us are often stuck. We're stuck in our lives. We're stuck in our walk with God. We're stuck in our relationships. We're stuck in situations and sins. And I want to say this morning, if your life is not where you wish it would be, you can make more excuses. You can blame your circumstances. You can blame your season of life. Or I suggest to you this morning, you can make a move. And I want to help us and shift us forward this morning because maybe you're stagnant, you're stuck, you're slipping and sliding. I want to tell you the very gospel nature, the design of who you and I are, we were designed to be moving forward. We were designed from the, from the very beginning. Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, Abraham, leave your father's house and go to the land I will show you. He moves on and, then, and he says to Moses, Moses, you've stayed long enough at this hillside, advance into the hill country of the Amorites. That we are made to move forward. You know, he says to Joshua, Joshua, I'll give you everywhere you place your feet. So that means Joshua had to place his feet somewhere. This is the nature of the gospel. It goes on. We heard last week, Caleb says, give me my hill country. At 85 years old, this pioneering spirit said, I'm not done yet. If you're not dead, you're not done. So he said, I want my hill country. The New Testament opens up and Jesus tells us that he leads us from glory to glory. He leads us in triumphal procession. He says the glory of the latter will be greater than the former. The momentum of the gospel is forward. The momentum of the gospel is to make a move. So I want to put faith in your heart and courage for you and I to make some moves today. So speaking about movements, why don't you use your feet and stand. And let's read some scripture. This morning we're reading from Hebrews chapter 11. That's verse 24 to 26. It's the New Living Translation. So let me read it. We stand to posture our hearts in faith. And this is what it says. It says this, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these three verses of Scripture this morning. Would you embed them deep in our hearts? And I pray, would you move us from where we are to where you want us to be? I say, lead us, Spirit of God, and we will follow. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You can take your seats, but say to somebody around you as you're doing it, say to him, we're going to make a move. Come on. You're going to make a move. Good, good, good. Come on. Let me set up the scene for you. The scripture we found in Hebrews 11, a couple of verses before what we started reading, a couple of verses after, are the paraphrased snip, snap, snip, snapshot, snapshot. Snapshot of Moses' life, which you can find the whole story in the book of Exodus. But this story, we, we set up to this moment where Moses was an Israelite born to, an Isra- to Israelite parents. But it seemed to his parents that he was born at the wrong time in history. As Moses, this joyous day of Moses coming, being born to his family, 
the Pharaoh, living these, the Pharaoh declares that actually every firstborn that was born to an, an Israelite was going to be put to death. A happy day becomes a sad day. And many people, wails went up from Israel as this, this edict was given. But I love the fact that his parents made a move. His parents didn't just wail and say, this is not fair, God. Why now? Why us? Why, God? Didn't blame the situation. Didn't form a protest. His mom made a move. And his mom went and he took little Moses and put him in a little basket. And if, you, if you're unaware of the backstory, put him into the reeds, into the bushes of, a, of the, the river. And trusted God for this boy's future. And the story goes that actually, because of this act of faith, we told by faith his parents did this. The Pharaoh's daughter was by chance, by chance, or the Lord's orchestration responding to their faith, was down by the river and saw this baby and rescued this baby and got the mother to come look after the baby. And by this way, when other children were being killed, Moses finds his way into the palace of Pharaoh. He becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter, adopted into the Egyptian palace. But as, as the scripture opens up, it says, and as Moses grew up, the incredible thing is as this, this story speeds up and fast forwards a number of years, we pick up the story where this man, Moses, he finds himself stuck between the power, the prestige, the pleasure of Egypt, or the call of God with his people, the Hebrews. And he's stuck, and there's, there's, you can, as you read the narrative in Exodus, you can feel this anguish as he knows the power and the authority that he's got and the pleasures of Egypt, but he knows the call of God to be with his people, to identify with them and actually rescue them out of their plight. And he just doesn't know which way to turn. He's stuck. He's stagnant. He wants to go, but he, he can't. But we told in the scripture that Moses makes a move. You see, he was stuck between his comfort and his calling. He was caught in the middle of where he was and his destiny. He was stuck between his pain and his potential, in between his frustration and his future. But Scripture tells us, as Hebrews 11, in three verses, I want to give it to you this morning, that Moses made a move. And I want to help us this morning. So three things Moses did to make a move that you and I have to, I believe, learn from. This is not a, a light and fluffy message this morning. It's something that I believe for every heart, a have to to lean in for God to move us. So first point this morning will be short and sharp. Number one, is that we have to learn to make a move to refuse. Make a move to refuse. You see the scripture in verse 24 says, By faith, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses refused. You see, I, as I read that, and I've been studying this last couple of weeks for my own life, I started to realize that actually, that I'm often allowing things in my life by default, that actually faith would demand me to cut off deliberately. That I've just allowed things just to have run and rule in my, in my life, and my thinking, in the way I live, just by default. Because that's what's been handed to me by circumstances, by life, by, by inheritance, by my, by my very makeup, my, my red hair, by just who I am, my, how I live. That's how I'm expected to react by default when actually faith says there's a different response. By faith, Moses refused. As I read that, I realized, he, what did he refuse? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was refusing privilege, power, prestige in that moment. But he was refusing to identify with his past identity. You know, as I've been reading that, I've just been so stirred and, and to encourage in my own life to understand that anything that has not been defined by God needs to be refused in my life. Anything that's not been defined by God needs to be refused. There's an active activation here. This is not just some turn away from. He says, by faith, Moses refused. This is an active 
thing. And as I read that, I realized it was an active throwing off. As I read the Greek and Hebrew translation of that word refused, it means a violent rejection of. A violent rejection of. I'll tell you what a violent rejection looks like. Spare me, I know this is it's early in the morning, but a week and a half ago, there was a stomach bug going around. And it entered into our house, into my home. And for 24 hours, there was a lot of violent rejection going on. It was not neat. It was not tidy. It was not like going, let me reason this thing out. I didn't reason the bug out. That thing was coming out. It was sweat and tears. And let me tell you, it was not pretty. Maybe that's too much information right now. But I want you to get the idea that when Moses refused, this was not some light and fluffy, "Mm, let me weigh up the pros and cons. He actually decided, I will violently reject what has not been defined by God. This is by faith. I I want to say this morning, don't tolerate what you were supposed to exterminate. I say it many times like this, a silly way, that small lions, small lions become big lions, and big lions eat people. But it's just so small and cute and cuddly, I can keep it under control. Don't tolerate what you're supposed to exterminate. That's a metaphor. I don't want any Cecil lion lovers here. You know, please, relax. It's a metaphor. But, but, but I, I do want to push this, that, that actually, I want to suggest, the Bible tells us in different ways. It says, refuse to sit in the seat of defeat. Someone says, refuse to sit in the seat of mockers. Refuse to sit in the seat of bitterness. I want to say, suggest to you this, that actually stop sitting down when you were made to move. Too many of us are sitting down saying, why, God? If only my situation would change. Why did they look at me that way? Why have they not returned my call? What's going on in that situation? And we are sitting down when the Bible's called us to move. Make a move to refuse. I want to suggest, maybe I had someone the other day who came and they said, they, this was their logic, and I, and I understand it to some point, said, no, why are you not thriving in church? Why are you not thriving in the call of God? You're like, you know what? Somebody told me they'll phone me, and they haven't phoned me back yet. Now, I hear that. Somebody probably should have phoned you back, but this is the thing. You will die waiting for someone to make a move. When the scripture has given you and I authority to make a move towards faith. Stop waiting for somebody to phone you. Don't put your future in somebody else's hands when the future has been given to you. By faith, Moses refused to pick up that. No, somebody has said to me out there, I'm a, I'm a man, you're a Gabe, you're a bit, bit, of a, bit hyped up. I beg to differ, but anyway. He said, I'm a man of intellect and reason. Well, well, here's the main thing. Intellect and reason is beautiful, but the great news is it doesn't say by intellect and reason Moses refused. Because by intellect and reason, he would have stayed in the palace. By faith. We do not have a, we're not serving a God, you know, this is the Christian intellect and reason. Because can I tell you, intellect and reason wouldn't, Jesus would not have gone to the cross. By faith. We get to choose our future, what future we get to walk in. You see, there's this amazing story in John chapter 5 that I've loved. Uh, it's a, quite a well-known one in Christendom circles. It's still called the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And the story is that actually in the Jewish culture, there was this pool that, that, that sick people used to gather around. Because actually there was a, there was a tradition, maybe a myth, but actually there was some truth and re- reality to it. That an angel would come down once a day and stir the waters. And the first sick person in would get healed. And there's a whole bunch of sick people, blind, lame, crippled people who go and they lurk around this pool. Trying to, can you just imagine the feeding free trying to get in that pool first when the water's stirred? And we find that story in John chapter 5. There's a lame man who's been lame for 38 years. 
They tell us the author John writes this. John, and we find scholars say, was around 40 years old when he wrote these scriptures. So John is the same age as this guy. He's known this guy for years, that that is the guy, the lame guy at the, gate, at the pool of Bethesda. And we find this story. And, and, and John, I, I, I just re, as I read that, I realized that this guy had been there 38 years, near to the place of healing. He had positioned himself near to the place of healing, but he still wasn't healed. May I suggest, you can place yourself in a good community, you can be here at church, you can place yourself in good places, but you're not changed until you make a move. Let me tell you how this lands in my heart. Just, I've, in the last little while, so the Milton Church story is that we are in flux at the moment, we're, we're being pushed out of our, our current facilities, we're looking for a new venue, and every single venue that I've knocked doors on, that I've approached, have said, ah, no. Not to worry, not to worry. And as I've done that, as we've gone on with that, the enemy gets and the enemy starts to remind you of things that maybe you're not cut out for this. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should get someone else to do this sort of thing because maybe you're not that, that front-footed guy who can get the door open. And the words that the enemy starts to get in there starts to remind me of things again. Maybe you, you are unqualified. Maybe this is not for you. And the enemy starts again. But can I tell you the great news? I open the scripture. I see the words, by faith Moses refused. To accept any identity was not defined by God. And I can either sit in that sin and defeat and go, you know what, maybe it's not my time. Maybe I sit down, you know, this is, I am unqualified. Or I can say, actually, you know what, God, you've spoken. You've called me to lead these people. You've called me to take ground here. Actually, by faith, I'm going to refuse anything. I'm not going to let it settle. I'm not going to sit. I'm going to make a move. This is what I call I want to say to you, number one, make a move to refuse. Secondly, this morning, is make a move to choose. Scripture goes on and says, by faith, he chose to share in the oppression of God's people rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. I love that word chose because he chose. It means there's not just a refusing, an act of a violent rejection and putting off. There's actually an act of putting on something. You see, faith is not just nodding and saying amen. Faith is acting. Faith has feet. Faith has movement to it. You see, the most important thing I believe is that saying, saying yes is more important than what you say no to. What you say yes to is more important than what you say no to. I define it this way, that I'll never, Fiona would not get all the lights and the, the, the goosebumps and the fuzzies and go, oh, how romantic. If I came to her and said, Fee, do you know, how I, you know how I love you? It's because I said no to a lot of other women. I'll be eating two minute noodles on the couch that evening. Let me tell you, truth in that. Yes, I did say no, but the love for her is not defined by what I said no to, but the fact that I pursue her and say yes to her. My love is defined by what I say yes less than what I say no. And actually, my no's are easy when I'm saying yes to a greater pleasure. Here's the understanding in this scripture for you and I, is that Moses, I love this, it says, but Moses chose, now, before, in case you're thinking, well, this is all light and fluffy. He chose what? To share in the oppression of God's people. Other translations say he chose to be mistreated with the Israelites. He gave up position of power for the gutter. You see, this is what faith does. Faith makes us make different decisions. You see, it's not looking for the easy way, way out. I want to give it practical on the ground here. Maybe you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a work situation. Your boss is wanting you to cut corners. Or else. And he's like, going, cut corners or else. Or cut corners and I'll give you a raise. And you feel like you're stuck. If I, if I do it this way, I'm going to feel guilty by going along with that thing. But if I don't, I might, be, I might be out of a job. 
I want to say, by faith, you have to choose. Maybe you're stuck. I want to say, make a move. Make a move by faith. God is a rewarder of those who make a move, not by reason, but by faith. You see, I want to say, maybe you're here and you're in a relationship where you're being forced to compromise your integrity. But I don't want to be alone. I'm stuck. I, I just, I, I, I want to be with this person, but they, I don't, it's just, it doesn't feel right. But I don't want to be alone. I want to say, sir, man, by faith, and make a move to choose. Not by reason, but by faith. I want to suggest maybe you're saying, I know I should be in community, but you know, it's hard to make a night free in the week. I want to suggest, make a move. You can sit in the same place, or you can make a move to choose, to free up some schedule, to actually, it's going to cost me something. But I want to say, it will be costly now, but I'll tell you, it'll cost you so much more if you don't. There are things that we need to make decisions on today to put on and choose that will reap rewards in the future, but actually if we don't, it will cost us way too much. I tell you, sir, ma'am, that there's a road from Durban all the way up to Joburg, the, the N3 growing up there. And growing up in Durban, I loved being in Durban. But when my parents said, let's go visit my brothers in Joburg, my heart would sink. I don't, no one wants to go to Joburg. No one. I'm preaching to the choir. Cape Town. And I remember as we left Durban, I was like, ah, oh, why are we going up to Joburg? And I say, then I see the N2 peeling off to Cape Town. I say, mom and dad, Cape Town! Lack of holiday. Leave Joburg. They'll be fine. Table Mountain. Cable car. Stormers. We'll go. And my, and, ah, we missed that off ramp. We'll keep going. Then we'll see the N1 peeling off to Bloom. I'm like, Bloom. Better than Joburg. Waterfront. They've got a waterfront, believe it or not. Bloom, you know, they've got, you know, they've got the waterfront. Bloom, mom. But before too long, we've missed the N1. And then, and then we're going, and you know this thing, you start, Benoni will take it, Charlie's Tehran, I'm sure she might be popping in, who knows? You know, you start seeing these off-ramps come, and Joe Brick suddenly, it's not just a two-lane, it becomes three-lane, four-lane, five-lane, six-lane, and before you know it, you start seeing 20Ks Joe Brick, 10Ks Joe Brick, and before it's too late, you've missed things, and you, there's no way off this freeway. And you're in Joe Brick. Don't want to stress the metaphor too far, but I want to tell you that actually, sometimes we have to pick up the off-ramp now, because there'll come a time where it might be too late and we'll wish we could go back where we're going, we're too, we're too far. I'm too far down this road. I want to suggest to you, sir, ma'am, there's an off-ramp today. Make a move. Make a move. If you're in a path that is going in one direction, you're saying, I don't want to be on this path anymore. By faith, you can choose. You're not a victim of your circumstance. You're a prisoner of hope. The scripture tells you I'm a prisoner of hope, but I'm feeling a prisoner in my circumstance. Lift your eyes, sir, ma'am. Choose hope this morning. Make a decision. Make a move. Let me tell you the story in John 5 that I want to just bring into across the whole, the whole sermon this morning. John 5, the story of the lame man at the gate, at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus comes up to him, 38 years lame. Jesus' first engagement with him is not Jesus meek and mild sitting down, pushing his hair and washing his feet and saying, how are you doing? No, Jesus comes quite strongly up to a man who hasn't walked for 38 years, laid in the same place, near to the pool, but not in it, and says to him, do you want to get well? I love Jesus. <laughs> he says, do you want to get well? And what comes out the guy's mouth? I can't, he says. He says, I can't, because I can't walk. And he says, and every time others, the pool starts to stir, others come and leap over me, push me aside and get in there before me. So I can't. I, I want to suggest today that he was, how did he get to that pool? Somebody took him there. 
But he said, take me that far, but actually I'm going to stay in my state. I'm not going to ask for any more help. I'm not going to make a move. I'm not going to do anything to f- get my healing. And Jesus enters the story and says, do you want to get well? I believe Jesus is saying, do you want to be free? Do you want to get well? This is what Jesus is asking because he's put authority in you and I to make some moves. Finally this morning, point three. Make a move to look ahead. See, the scripture, verse 26 finishes, says, He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Let me suggest to make a move, we cannot be overwhelmed by the right now. I'll say it this way as I read the scripture. Christ, he was looking ahead towards Christ. He had a glimpse of Christ from a distance. In the history, he, he saw Christ, he saw the great reward and said, actually, I'm not going to see the trial, the pain, the, 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 all, the, all the things that are going on, the circumstances that are way too big around me now. I'm going to look ahead to the great reward. Here's the good news for you and I this morning, is that Christ is our power and he's our pleasure. Let me tell it another way. Christ is our rewarder, but he's also our reward. He's the one who makes sets us free, but I tell you, he's also our freedom. Christ is the one who provides the breakthrough, and He is the breakthrough. Christ is the treasure. I can tell you, He is here today to set you free, but He wants to set you free for what? To know Him. Because when you know Him, everything else, even that freedom you long for, will be nothing compared to Him. Christ is the reward. He is the great treasure. And here, here's an incredible question I want to ask our hearts this morning. is Where are you looking for your joy? Where are you looking for your treasure? Where are you looking for your peace? You see, because around that gate, beautiful, in John chapter 5, around the pool of Bethesda, around that pool, everyone, all the cripples, all the blind, all the lame, were looking to a pool for healing. And none of them noticed a person named healing walk in. Jesus. Everyone else was still looking. Jesus, thank you, mind, mind of the way. I'm watching the pool for the stirring. When Jesus is walking, going, do you want to get well? Who wants to get well? Are you looking for the pool or are you seeing the person? Are you looking for, God, give me an increase, then I'll be better. When the person of provision is right in front of you, saying, trust me. Are you going, God, I please may I have breakthrough in my relationship. When he says, I'm the one who brings healing, will you trust me? Where are you looking to, sir, ma'am? You see, this is an amazing thing. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, do you want to get well? He says, I can't. So Jesus says this, I love Jesus. I can't. Jesus doesn't answer any of his questions that he's throwing at Jesus. I can't. Everyone's not fair. Jesus, it's not fair. I've been here 38 years. No one helps me. Oh, Jesus doesn't even listen. Deaf to the, all those complaints. He says this to this guy. Looks and says, stand up, pick up your mat, walk. Paraphrased, make a move. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Basically, let me break it down for you. Stand up. He says, get a new perspective. You've been looking backwards for way too long. You've been looking at people's angles for too long. Stand up. Can I tell you this way? When your eyes are low, so too will your expectations. When all you see is the obstacles, so too will be your hope level. All you can see is the, the here and now. You know, we, in my car, we've uh, got, as I see a little baby girl, Olivia Grayson, put the car seat in. And for safety reasons, the car seat has its back towards the, the, the front and, and is facing backwards, wedged in there. And for the first little while, it was great because Olivia would be content. But as she starts to grow up, she started to get a bit antsy. And this is not, this is... I wasn't designed. It's weird. We're going forwards, but I'm looking backwards. It's strange. 
mom, dad. And we start thinking, do we put a mirror there so we can see if she's okay? And you start thinking this thing. And then we go, here's a thought. Wait, stick with me, Fiona. Here's a thought. Let's turn the chair around. I don't know, just, I mean, wild thought. And as we did, I can't tell you, Olivia, Sunny, in the car, she loved to be in the car because she can see car, truck, see out the thing. Because the car, can I tell you, the gospel's moving forward. God is good. God is kind. But so many of us know that, but we still fix our eyes on what's behind us. We still got our eyes on this level when actually we were made to look forward. He says, stand up, change your perspective. He gets up, he says, pick up your mat. Basically, he's saying the thing that you've laid on that's always been your existence, your comfort zone for 38 years, your little mat, me and my matty. You're going to lay on this thing. This is, this is me, you know. He says, pick up your mat, roll it up, get rid of the temptation to go back to the norm. That, that position is done. Pick up your mat. And finally, he says, and walk. Now, he's had 38 years without feet moving. This thing's going to take faith. 38 years. He's never known the, the thrill of one foot in front of the other. He's never had any confidence in his legs. And Jesus says, walk. Jesus doesn't say, let me sit and let me walk it, t- t- take you through the steps, my buddy. So it's going to be a bit strange as you get up. You might feel a bit lightheaded. Let me, let me help you. Let me coach you. Lean on me. No. Jesus says, walk. This is, this is the language of faith here yeah? because it's going to take faith. But I want to suggest to you this morning, don't overthink it. Maybe you think that, let me work out the physics of perambulation. One foot, and then the next one. How, le- left, right. Which one do we start with? No, Jesus doesn't give him that. He says, walk. I want to say, pick up a Nike attitude. Just do it. Just do it. I think there's this thing, because you see, this is amazing. As I come into land, Moses looked forward, and as he picked up their suffering for the sake of Christ, he said, I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to lean that way. The, between my pain and, and my potential, I'm going to lean towards my potential. Between my comfort and the calling, I'm going to lean to that way. By faith, I'm going to do that. That faith led him all the way up to the Red Sea. Boof. And he's like, now what? Egyptians behind him. Every temptation was turn the seat around and say, sorry, boys. We got this one wrong. Remember me. I'm the Pharaoh's guy. Hey, Egypt. I even know the dance. Walk like an Egyptian. It's like, I know. I'm, I'm one with you. I'm one with you. Everything inside of says, turn that seat around. But by faith, he had refused to pick up in the past identity. By faith, he had chosen a new nature. By faith, he was now looking ahead. And in that moment, Christ said, I'm going to open the way where there was no way. Because you made a move, watch what I'll do. Here's the great news in the story for you and I. Is this man at the pool of Bethesda says that Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. The Bible says instantly he got healed. He stood up, picked up his mat and started to walk. Here's the amazing thing as you read and you find out what is that Bethesda. That word Bethesda, the Jewish word Bethesda. Beth means house. That's where you get Bethlehem, house. But that's as far as scholars go because the word hesda is complicated to translate because it can be translated as shame and disgrace or because of the phonetics of it it can be translated as mercy and grace so you don't know which way to translate it let me suggest that for that man lame man for 38 years the pool of bethesda was shame and disgrace but when Jesus walks into the story, the pool of Bethesda becomes a place of mercy and grace. But then this was the thing. Jesus says, which way are you going to go, buddy? Are you going to stay down there or are you going to make a move? 
I suggest to you today, your situation, sir, ma'am, you go, you don't know my situation. I tell you, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how tough situations are, no matter how deep your financial debt is right now, no matter how sore your heart is from rejection and pain in relationships, no matter how whatever you're going through, no matter what how deep your addiction is and you don't know how to get out, I want to say you have the before you. Shame and disgrace or mercy and grace. And today Jesus says, do you want to get well? And you and I have to pick up. Just make a move to refuse. Make a move to choose. And make a move to look ahead. Can I call the band up very quickly? We're going to land and have communion together. But as they come up, I want to tell you the greatest news of all. Is this man named Jesus Christ? Did you know that he made a move towards us? Christianity is the only religion in the world and, on, on, and every religion would agree with us that every religion sells to its people. Let me give you strategies on how you can get to God. Christianity is the only one that says, I'm going to tell you how God came to you. And Jesus came and he, he lived a life for you and I. Christ came. And the amazing thing for you and I is Christ made a move and he refused to pick up any identity that wasn't rightfully his. Satan came and said, if you are the son of God, do this. And Jesus says, I am, but I won't. He refused. Jesus picked up and he, he chose when we would have not chosen. He chose when he said, not my will, but yours be done. Can I tell you the great news is he looked ahead. He said he died for the joy set before him. Everything inside of him said, I, will not, I don't want to go to the cross, but for the joy set before me, I will die. This is the great news that heaven has already made a move towards you. And when, when Christ's faithfulness meets with our obedience, chains break. When Christ's faithfulness meets with our obedience and response and saying, I do want to walk. I do want to be well. I do want to find freedom. Things change. I land with this final story. There was a man in the, in the early 1900s, a man named Jim Elliott, one of my personal heroes. And Jim Elliott was a rising star in America. A rising star in university, a public speaker of note. He had crowds eating out of his hand. He had political ambitions. People thought, this guy is going to be the thing. He gets married young to his sweetheart. And, and, and it's just a, it's an incredible, incredible, extravagant relationship. And people are like, wow, this is beautiful. He's a Christian. But God got deep in this man's heart. He says, between your potential, between your pain, between your frustration, between your future, between your comfort, between your calling... Jim, I've got something for you. Because Jim had heard about the unreached people group in South America who had never heard the gospel. A cannibalistic society of, of, of tribalistic people who had never heard of the gospel. And Jim said, I, I gotta go. Newly married, he starts to plan this trip to go to South America, chance the, the whole thing. And as he starts to go, people are going, Jim, no, not you, buddy. You've got this track going. You've got political ambition. You've got success lying ahead of you. You're going to be wasted there. What are you doing there? You've just got married, Jim. But Jim wouldn't listen. Jim refused to pick up any identity that wasn't that was defined by God. Jim chose something. Jim was looking ahead to something greater than just the here and now. Jim got on a plane. He arrived in South America. And the story tells us that as he stepped off the plane, going to preach the gospel, an arrow flew bah, into his head and Jim died without opening his mouth, without speaking a word. The headlines back home were, what a waste, a waste, what a disgrace. How dare they send one of our best and nothing happened, what a waste. Until they got to his funeral and Jim Elliot's wife opened his diary, her husband's diary and read these words. 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The incredible story was Jim Elliot's wife led another team and then another team to a people group and hundreds and hundreds of students from across America heard that story and their ears weren't disgraced. Their ears were, we also see something beautiful. And they went and they went and they went until that people group were reached. But because one man saw the invisible and by faith chose, refused, and looked ahead. I want to tell you this morning, I believe that God is calling men and women here to make moves. Make moves out of comfort to calling. Make moves out of pain to lay hold of potential. Make moves out of frustration to future. God is saying right now, Jesus is here, do you want to? Do you want to? Because I tell you, his faithfulness will meet your obedience more than you could ever, ever know. Can we stand to our feet in this moment? Quentin's going to lead us in communion. But before we do that, you this morning need to make a move. If you're saying, my heart needs to move, my heart has been stuck, it's been stagnant, it's been slipping and sliding, but today... In response to this word, by faith, I am going to choose a new response. By faith, I'm going to refuse an old way. By faith, I'm going to look ahead, not look below, not look around me, but look ahead. Today, I need to make a move. Can you lift your hands as high as you can? Father, I pray as hands are lifted to you. I pray, God, not as a religious response, but by faith rises up in sons and daughters. You have positioned men and women. Jim Elliot's are rising up for God. We're going to count everything a loss for the sake of Christ. What good is it if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What good is a full bank account if you're not living in the call that he's got for you? I pray right now, God, would you put a frustration in every heart from where they are and a desire for the more and say, God, I will not settle until I've moved into it. I pray today, Jesus, would sons and daughters make moves to refuse, make moves to choose and make moves to look ahead. And tomorrow morning when they wake up and everything around them is big and every situation, I want to stay in bed. They say, I, I make a move to refuse. I make a move to choose. I make a move to look ahead. When the boss is barking out orders and they don't know what to do, they make a move to refuse. They make a move to choose. They make a move to look ahead. God, when, they, when their anxiety hits, when their depression hits, when their addiction hits, when the grip of pain hits, when everything wants to look backwards, they make a move. I thank you, Father God, that we were designed to move. And today you say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Put that courage in our hearts. Jesus.